Well, good morning. Uh, it is an honor to be here this morning and uh, going through the chapter of love, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And as uh, Pastor Mike said, I am Will. I am leading the Alpha Pregnancy Care Center. And um, I am from the south. <laughs> Way south. I am originally from Peru. So you may detect a little accent as I shared this morning. It has nothing to do with Jim and the sound people. It is my accent. But being here feels like home. Uh, before pastoring at Grace, uh, I spent many years here at uh, Lanoville School teaching Spanish. And uh, those are uh, dear memories that I have. I got to know many students and parents that way. And uh, my wife and I were missionaries overseas, and we moved back to we, well, we moved to the States in uh, 17 years ago, so I really didn't know many people, but uh, through Loudonville Church and School, uh, we were able to make those first friendships that have uh, been a blessing to us in our 17 years here in the capital region. We were missionaries overseas in Guatemala and in Peru, and um, I also studied uh, college here many years before that. And uh, I can testify for the wonderful ministries like International Crossroads uh, that um, so many families open their homes uh, to me and embrace me with generosity and just love. And that made a big difference as an international student coming to a place where I didn't know anyone. So um, I encourage you to learn more about it. And truly, you will change somebody's life and through that life, change uh, a community and a country overseas. But today, I'm going to be talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7. And as I was preparing for this morning, uh, I realized that, you know, that verse, when read can bring you to many different conclusions unless you read it in the context of the passage and you dive a little bit into the original language. So I'm going to be going word by word and looking at the Greek uh, meaning of those words that Paul used so that we can get a better context of what Paul is talking about. So... For those of you who may be experts in ancient classical Greek, I am not. So I apologize in advance if I butcher your language. Because okay? I'll be saying it with an English-Spanish mix accent. All right? Um, but our passage reads, Love bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things, endures all things. And when you read it out of context, it can lead you to believe many things. Like as Christians, we, are, we can be gullible and just believe whatever people say. But the scripture is clear with that, even with prophecies, right? We are to judge that. We are to judge any teaching with the word of God. We can say, hey, 
we can hope all things. You know, I'm just going to hope I get that mega million ticket and that one point whatever billion is going to be mine. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to hope for that. That's why it's important, I think, to go to the original language. And in doing so, I'm going to be reading from my notes to make sure I... Um, I'm from some commentators, too, to make sure I say it properly. So, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. In the Amplified Version, we can read, The love bears up under anything and everything that comes is ever ready to believe the best of each person its hopes are faithless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. All the four main verbs in this passage, bears all, believes all, hopes all, endures all, are in the present tense, which means that these actions, these attitudes, um, are to be our lifestyle. We are to put this into action every day of our lives. So let's look at the first verb, bears. Bears all things. Bears is from the Greek word stego, whose root is stege, which means a thatch of roof or a covering of a building. So bears derives its first meaning from stege, and it means to cover closely, to protect by covering, and then to conceal, and then by covering, to bear up under. At the core of its meaning, stego denotes an activity or stage which blocks entry from without or exit from within. So we see from this meaning the picture of love as that which protects the others, protects other people, our brothers, our sisters, our spouse, our family, our friends, our co-workers, concealing them from that which would be bad for them. Moffat, a commentator, translates stego as slow to expose. Slow to expose. To expose. It's almost like the opposite of gossip. Our human nature tends to look at what's bad and wrong, what's weak or sinful in someone else. And our human nature wants us to just share those news with others. But bears all, love does the opposite is slow to expose. John MacArthur says it this way, that the verb stego basically means to cover or to support and therefore to protect. Love bears all things by protecting others from exposure, from ridicule, or from harm. As I was reading that, I was thinking times where maybe I did the opposite to other people. 
but God is calling us to bear all things by protecting others from exposure, ridicule, or harm. Genuine love does not gossip or listen to gossip. Even when a sin is certain, love tries to correct it with the least possible hurt and harm to the guilty person. Love never protects sin, but is anxious to protect the sinner. The next verb is believes, believes all. And the word believe is pisteo, which comes from pistis, which is faith, trust, belief. So in this context, it implies that love sees the best in others and gives the other person the benefit of the doubt, choosing to believe the best about them and not the worst. And again, human nature is the opposite of this. We want to believe the worst. Augustine said, that this quality of love is believing the best about all people. So Paul is not saying that we ought to be gullible, that love is gullible and believes everything and doesn't exercise qualities such as wisdom and discernment. What he is saying is that love will believe well of others unless convinced otherwise. It seeks to put the best possible construction in other people's words, and actions. This also goes contrary to our current culture where we are quick to cancel others, when we are quick to twist somebody's words. There's so many things being posted on social media and the world has a tendency to just look at a post and just think the worst of that post and is eager to comment on it. And you've probably be seen posts where somebody says something and it's taken the wrong way and before you know it, there's a huge thread that is just crumbling and deteriorating and falling into insults to one another. Love is the opposite, believes all. To believe all things means that love believes the best that is possible as long as that can be done. Love gives the benefit of the doubt. It takes people at their highest and best, not their lowest and worst. In our culture, we love to get very easily offended. That is not love. That is not the love of God. That is not the love that Paul is writing about here in our passage. The next verb is hopes. Hopes all things. From the verb, uh, Greek verb, elpiso, elpis, hope, conveying as a main element a sense of confidence. It means to look forward with confidence to that which is good and beneficial. And scripture is full of the promises of God and we can hope in all those promises. We can hope in the promise of heaven that one day 
One day this world will end. One day we will be in God's glory. We can hope in that. It means that the one who loves looks at the bright side of things and does not despair. Love is not pessimistic, but shows a godly optimism. Supernatural love, the agape love, does not have a negative and critical spirit, but it always is always positive and hopeful. This love hopes for what is good for another, even when others have ceased to hope. It kind of conveys that Romans 8.28 attitude where Paul says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. John MacArthur writes of a story where um, he had heard of a dog that had... Uh, stayed at the airport of a large city for five years waiting for its owner to return. Now, how sad is that? And the employees and, and other people at the airport will feed and take care of the dog all that time. The dog will basically stay in the same spot for five years, not giving up hope that someday its owner would return for it. If a dog's love for its owner can produce that kind of hope, how much, how much longer should our love make hope last? And we're not just waiting for an owner, we're waiting for a pet owner, we are waiting for Christ and the hope of heaven. And finally, the fourth verb in this verse is endures. Love endures all. Upomeno, from upo, under, and meno, abide or remain. So endures literally means in the Greek to remain or abide under and refers to abiding under, not simply with Resignation, but with vibrant hope. It describes not the spirit which can passively bear things, but the spirit which, in bearing them, can conquer and change them. The idea is to continue in an activity despite resistance and opposition. Upomeno, which is in the present tense, speaks of perseverance and tenacity in all circumstances. It means to endure in times of pain, suffering, deprivation, hatred, loss, and loneliness. This morning we were reminded of the war in Ukraine and I can only imagine the church in Ukraine enduring pain and suffering, deprivation, hatred, loss, Loneliness. But I'm sure that even today on a Sunday morning in churches like Transformation Church, people are glorifying God, worshiping God, 
enjoying his peace and joy and love in the hardest of circumstances. That's the love that endures all. Another commentator says that endure all things is that cheerful and loyal fortitude which, having done all without apparent success, still stands and endures, whether the ingratitude of friends or the persecution of foes. I was with a couple of friends last night, and one of them asked a question. He said, um, who would you like to be, if you could, obviously, just imagining this, would you rather be Joseph, Abraham, or Moses? Right. It was an interesting question. Uh, we talked for a while about that, the pros and cons of being each one of them. Finally, one said, I, I'd rather be Moses out of those three. I mean, those three are amazing heroes of the faith, but Moses saw God and walked with God, and I will do anything to have that kind of experience. But then somebody else said, Moses will be the least of my choices because he had to deal with difficult people. Imagine being the conduit of God for the plagues, seeing miraculous things happening, parting the Red Sea. You go to the mountain for a few days to meet with God and receive his law. You come back and the people that you were leading are worshiping idols. You strike a rock and water comes out. You wake up in the morning and manna is coming from heaven, feeding everybody every day for 40 years. And yet Moses, the leader, had to deal with difficult people. And if you want to see an example of enduring all things, that's, that's one. And God is calling us to bear all, to hope all, to endure all. But how can we do this? You've been going through the whole chapter. And as Paul is describing this perfect love, this agape love, I'm sure many times you've been thinking, if I compare myself against the description of this perfect love, I am falling short. Oh my, am I falling short. I'm falling short with the way I'm relating to my wife, to my children, to my friends, to my teachers, my co-workers my community, my extended family, my parents. I'm falling short. How 
how can we do this? And the answer is, we can't. We can't on our own. We cannot do it with our own human efforts or strength. We can try, but we will fall short. We see people manifesting parts of this perfect love in their lives. We see in the world, I think the closest thing that gets to it being the motherly love. I work at Alpha, as Pastor Mike said, for five years now. And we mostly see women who may be in a crisis pregnancy situation or women that come with young children looking for resources in need. And we get glimpses of that motherly love as they come in. There was a woman that came to our Schenectady Center just a couple of weeks ago. I was talking to one of our staff people there. And she was telling me this, this woman came and it wasn't a crisis pregnancy. She didn't come for a pregnancy test or an ultrasound or counseling about whether to keep the baby or not. She came because she needed help with clothing and food and things for her little ones. And she was willing to take our classes so she can earn those things. And she was telling the staff person, I want to be the best mother I can for my children. I didn't have that growing up. And she started telling her how her life was, how hard it was, how there was never any affection, even at the youngest of ages. She was on her own, basically, abandoned emotionally. And as she's telling these things, our staff person could sense the heaviness in her heart. She could sense how much she had suffered, how much she had to endure, how little hope there was in her life. She did not have the love of God, that perfect love in her yet. So when she was done telling her about her life, the staff person just looked at her and said, God loves you. He sees you. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. And as she was hearing, hearing these words, she began to cry. She broke down right there in that counseling room. And she said, this is the first time in my life that somebody has said that to me. That's the love of God. 
she's now attending our classes. And she's now attending Bible class as well. And learning about Jesus. And God's perfect love. There was another woman that came to the Albany office. And it was early in the morning. She was a walk-in, no appointment. She just walked in. And she looked rough. She was homeless. She looked decades older than what she actually was. She, she smelled. She was drunk. And she told our, our staff, listen, I'm, I'm homeless. I'm, I have a boyfriend that abuses me. I have drug problems. I am drunk right now. And I think I'm pregnant. So our staff, amazing women of God, displayed this love, the love of God, and embraced her, regardless of how she looked like, regardless of how she smelled like, regardless of how hopeless she felt. But she was embraced with God's love, a love that we cannot fully understand or comprehend. She was pregnant. We gave her an ultrasound and she was expecting twins. And again, a spark of God's love through motherly love. The moment she saw the baby on the ultrasound, um, she fell in love with those babies. And at that point, she made the decision to keep the babies and do whatever it took to be the best mom she could for the babies. So we were able to help her and put her, put her in a rehab place where she got cleaned. And as she was doing that, she was taking classes. The twins were born beautifully. She restored her relationship with her family and went back to live with her parents. Began to take classes. Bible study, received the Lord, and is again growing and learning and experiencing each day that beautiful, perfect love that God has for us. For us. So the question again is, how can we do this? In our own strength, we can't. But in God, we can for God is love. And he came, Jesus came to earth and he walked among us. John 3.16 says, Jesus was walking at night talking to Nicodemus. Jesus, God's love here on earth walking with this teacher of the law. Whom Jesus loved, who God loved. And told him, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
And if we believe in him, we will not perish. The good news is, yes, we cannot do it on our own. We cannot even think that we can live out this love on our own strength. But the good news is that God came because he loves us and sent his son Jesus to walk on earth, save us, and walk with us every single day of our lives. This same Jesus that had told Nicodemus how much God loves the world, because of that love, he went all the way to Samaria against all cultural precepts of that time, went to Samaria, sent his disciples out to find food, and walked towards a well where a woman was sitting alone. A woman that probably was close to the woman that we see at Alpha with little hope, suffering, alone, judged, feeling unloved as a stranger in her own village. But because Jesus is love, he sat next to her and spoke truth and worth and hope to this woman. And her eyes were open and she realized that God was talking to her. She experienced this love, agape, the perfect love of God. And the circumstances in her life that made it hard to endure it, to suffer, completely changed to the point that she went back to the village, to her village, back to the people that despised her, that gossiped about her. She went back to them, displaying God's love in doing so, and began to evangelize and said, saying, I have met the Messiah. He is here among us. And there was a huge revival in that village for days. God's love. We can do this as followers of Christ. We have this beautiful, beautiful promise in Romans 5.5 5, where Paul says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And to me, that's one of the most amazing promises of the Bible. That this beautiful, perfect, agape love has been poured into our hearts. If you have put your faith in Christ, that love is in your heart. And we can share that love and grow in that love and bless those around us and love those around us just like God loves us. Just as God loved that woman in Schenectady hearing the words, I love you, God loves you for the first time in her life. 
the same way God loves that woman that was homeless and desperate and without hope. And now her life is transformed. Look back at what your life was without Christ before he came into the picture. Maybe there were things you were suffering, enduring. Maybe there was a lack of hope, a void in your heart. And then Christ came and filled you with his life and truth and love. And he has given us all this love that we can now share with others. If we look again at the passage from verse 4, let me read it, replacing the word love with the word Jesus, with his name. Verse 4, 1 Corinthians 13, would then say, Jesus suffers long and is kind. Jesus does not envy. Jesus does not parade himself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek his own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endure all things. Jesus never fails. But let's do this again. And this time, instead of love, let's say me in Jesus. Is that proper? Me or should I say I? 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 Me? It's like a debate here. <laughs> Pastor Mark, uh, Mike? Me, okay. Me in Jesus, suffer long and I'm kind. Me in Jesus does not envy. Me in Jesus does not parade myself. I am not puffed up. I do not behave rudely. I do not seek my own in Jesus. I am not provoked. I think no evil in Jesus. I do not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth. In Jesus, I can bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, and endure all things. Because Jesus never fails. And we may not understand completely the extent and the width and the death of this love. But as Paul says later in this chapter, we now see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. We may not completely understand all the workings of God's love, but we can know that we have it in our hearts and then we can make it grow. Kenneth Chaffin, pastor and author, writes this about the agape love. 
when I hold this list of the characteristics of love up before my life like a mirror, I am immensely shaken by the many ways in which I fell short of the perfect love that Christ modeled for me. But I also know that nothing will be more important to my life than letting God perfect the gift of love in me. Not in some abstract theological way, but by helping me learn to truly love every person as God loves me. <clears throat> These characteristics of God's kind of love would make a good outline for prayer, meditation, and study as we attempt to live the Christian life. Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. My encouragement to you this morning is to invite the Holy Spirit daily into your life and ask him to help you love others with this perfect love that God has gifted you with. Let me pray. Father, this morning we come to you grateful for the many promises and gifts that you have given us as your children. We're especially grateful, Lord, for the love that you have poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. We are grateful to you for transforming us from sinners into your children and giving us your love. A love that we can enjoy each day as we see how good you are to us. But it's also a call to us to love others in the same way. Help us, Lord, to bear all things and believe all things and hope all things and endure all things. Help us to love our loved ones and our enemies with your love. We pray this in your holy, precious, sweet name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.